Welcome to the Young IPA Podcast. I'm James. This is Pete. G'day, everyone. It is the 5th of February. Is that not right? I don't think that's right. It's the 6th of February. Uh, It is episode 144, and we've got a loaded show for you guys coming up. So we've got a whole lot of topics to discuss. There was a lot of news around Australia and around the world this week, Mm -hmm. uh, and including the IPA at the forefront of two big Mm, stories, which were uh, the shutting down of Generation Liberty stall at the OWIG at Q, uh, Queensland University of Technology, Correct. QT. So Generation Liberty applied to have a stall there so students could come and they could sign up and be a part of Generation Liberty. And the QUT Guild has shut that down. They mm. said that uh, that QUT, sorry, that Generation Liberty doesn't align with QUT standards, which is incredible. Values. Because last time I checked, Generation Liberty uh, is just about freedom and free markets. So you just think of those values as like, how is that not okay with QUT? But mm. uh, we're going to be talking to the guy at the centre of it, who is the Generation Liberty Campus Coordinator at QUT, the guy that's been on the phone with QUT and also the media, Chris Decker. He's on the show. And then he also sticks around for the quiz where Gideon Rosner is going for the unprecedented fourth victory in a row, which I still think is a record, but I haven't checked. I think it's a record. I think it is a record. Like the Magpies in the 20s, four premierships in a row. The 1920s. <laughs> well, I'm just glad we're making pop culture references from Pete. It just happened to be from the 1920s. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything else you're looking forward to at the show? We're discussing right at the end about the podcast bump and the podcast inverse bump. Yeah. Who comes on the podcast and then does well with their career or doesn't do well. And yeah. I'm we need to figure to out if we actually have a tangible effect on people's careers and whether that's positive and or a, negative. And our own careers. And our own careers. You know, It'd be good. <laughs> is this a good move? Yeah. I don't know. We'll is this see. what we want to be doing? Uh, now, the other story that the IPA is at the center of, which we should get into, Pete, is mm. this uh, freedom of information request and especially in regards to the actions of the Attorney General's Department and Andrew Cooper. Exactly right. Now, we spoke to The Undertaker last week. The Undertaker known, of course, as Edward You are going so hard on this nickname, and (laughs) it's endearing, but I don't know if it's going to catch on. He was talking about Malcolm Turnbull's hypocrisy. We can't have him on every week, unfortunately. No. So we're going to have to do this without him. But he submitted an FOI request from the IPA to uh, the Attorney General's Department that revealed Tony Abbott and the President of Liberty Works, uh, Andrew Cooper, friend of the show, uh, were targeted. And he broke the story on the show. He broke yeah. the story on this show, yes. which people forget, uh, that they were targeted by the Attorney General's Department under the, what's it called? The Foreign Influence and Transparency Scheme. Now, we already knew that. What the FRI request revealed is that they were directed by Mark Dreyfus, the Shadow Attorney General. So effectively, the Labor Party directed the bureaucracy to attack a political uh, opponent. Yeah. And I don't know what's worse, that the Labor Party did that, that the bureaucracy said, okay, no worries, or that it's the coalition that passed the laws in the first place. I'm going to take option D, all of the above. So here's here's what we've actually found from the Freedom of Information request, and this is like literally what we've been given. So Mm. on 22 July 2019, senior representatives of the Integrity and Security Division provided the Shadow Attorney General uh, with a briefing on the implementation of the Foreign uh, Foreign Influence Transparency Scheme. Now, during the meeting, Mr. Dreyfus queried the application of the scheme to foreign political organisations holding events in Australia. He specifically raised the upcoming Conservative Political Action Conference to be held in Sydney as an example of an event that may trigger registration obligations under the scheme. And then Kicker asked what the department planned to do about it. What do you plan to do about it? So, what, yeah, you know, here's something. What, what are we doing? Yeah, no, exactly right. And uh, as we know that they were asked to produce documents. Now, Andrew Cooper had a good summation of this event, very, uh, very succinct. He said, it's a contemptible and cowardly act. Good. Yeah. Short, sharp, and to the point. Great stuff. The Andrew Cooper effect. Uh, yeah. So, like, part of me goes, yeah, it's obviously terrible that unelected bureaucrats are doing this, but I just think it's slightly worse that Labor have the ability to ask for mm. it to happen because you think if you're a public servant, you know, and I know this happened like two months after an election, so it's not like Mark Dreyfus is going to be your boss anytime soon, but he could be. Yeah. And he might remember the fact that you didn't do things. So you just go, like, well, you know, you put in a pretty tough position. Mm. Oh, no, exactly right. And Mark Dreyfus has a, has a what's the word, past in doing stuff like this. He, yes. he instigated the uh, investigation of Bridget, Bridget McKenzie, as we'll talk about later. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, no, it's a bit of a worry. Uh, all right, so uh, the other things we need to discuss at the top of the show, uh, we need to run through the leadership spills. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yes. Uh, so we've got the Nationals and we've got the Greens. So which mm-hmm. one do you want to start with? Let's go to the Nats first. All right, so the Nats happened. Uh, so Barnaby Joyce challenged Michael McCormack for the leadership. Uh, they had the coalition part, like they had the party room meeting at like 8.30 in the morning, Oof. which just seems brutal. 
Okay. <laughs> What's your well, problem? Okay, one, I hate meetings in general, less before <laughs> I've had my coffee. And second part hey. is like if you're Barnaby Joyce and you lose it, you've got to spend the rest of the day just sitting that. there. <laughs> just yeah, sitting yeah. like, well, now what? Yeah, well, they're all farmers, mate. I mean, they all get up at five o'clock, like 8.30. Oh, yeah, they, I forgot they're real people. Um, no, unlike me. <laughs> 8.30? Yeah, eight, there's an 8.30 now? Yeah. Uh, so... The other part that needs to be discussed is like, okay, so the National Party, they do it as a secret ballot thing. So we don't officially know what the voting breakdown was. Mm-hmm. But Peter Van Onselen going that it's 11-10, McCormack v. Joyce, wow. is interesting. Okay. I mean, it is Peter Van Onselen, so it could just as easily be 21-zip. It could okay. be any collection of numbers at all. Yep. Uh, and Snarky, in, I like in, it. In a way, 11-10, since Peter Van Onselen tweeted, is the least likely result of any of them that could be. But we'll take them for what it's worth. Yeah. 11-10, uh, I will say... This story's not over. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what people are saying. If it's that close, that yep. means he doesn't have the long-term, what's the word, support of the group. Yes. I reckon, I mean, look, I'm no political strategist, James. Well, and I'm, and, oh, you yeah. know, I don't necessarily know what the people in rural areas of this country want. But surely Barnaby Joyce has more cut through than Michael McCormack. Yeah, it's just like one of those For things where uh, so much was coverage was given to his relationship problems hmm. and people are just like, I just don't care. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, he's no angel, but who is, James? <laughs> no one. Donald <laughs> Trump's president. Who, you think people care who's an angel Yeah, on? exactly. Whom's to my to yeah. judge? Cast the first stone. All right, so say. should we chuck it over to the Greens? Yeah, so the Greens, uh, Richard didn't entirely retire to spend more time with his family. Fair enough. Adam Bang is the new leader. Kick things off with a bang, saying big business that makes its money by killing people, endangering people's safety, should be worried. So that's a pretty big start from Adam. Uh, remember the biofuels craze, mate, that sent 30 million people into risk of starvation? Don't think the Greens now should be getting snark. too far ahead to this. That is snarky. Well, (laughs) if I'm snarky about Peter V, that was snarky. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, let's not get into uh, policies uh, of the Greens that have affected poor people over the years. Now, another thing about Adam Bant, James, that you might notice is that he looks like Richard Natale. Do you reckon? I I reckon he does. (laughs) Do you reckon? I just reckon you don't even need to change the promotional materials. (laughs) I've never thought of it that way. I don't think he looks that much like him. But in a a sense, he does. Because what I'm going for, this is the party of diversity, James. This is the party that says there's structural oppression. We have yet another white male in charge. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it. Well, we should have have meetings before we do this. But anyway, Adam Bant, yet another white male. So according to the Greens, and this is their game, it's not what I believe, their game is 50%, if 50% of leaders aren't women, then Mm -hmm. sexism, discrimination, oppression. Now, they've had four leaders, the Greens, since 1992, they were started, four leaders, only one woman, that's 25%. But I did some maths. Okay. (laughs) We've had a female leader of the Greens for only three years of 28 now, now that is percentage. 10.71%. Oh, there we go. That, so, that was very impressive. Based on the... Well, yeah, just, I, used, I used to just, calculate that. I just want to take a time to acknowledge the work that Peter Gregory put into this. I don't come into this unprepared, James. No, you do not. Now, these... Uh, so, well, my question to the Greens is, based on your logic, mm-hmm. is this not evidence of sexism in I the think Greens? this is entrenched patriarchy, to mm. be honest. Uh, the other point I'm going to bring up about the Greens is that they elected an band as the leader and they also have... Uh, Larissa Waters and Nick McKim as the deputy leaders. Now, okay. there are 10 Greens in federal parliament mm. and three of them are in the senior leadership team. Yeah. Seems a bit of a micromanaging for me. Yeah, it's like I, mean, I know this is a party that want to control every aspect of life, but yeah. I think three out of 10 is senior leadership. It's a bit much. It's too many. It's, it's too many. It's a bit too participation prize. Everyone gets an award. Exactly my thoughts. One uh, deputy is enough. All right, sweet. So uh, we now got the heroes and villains section, unless uh, there's anything more you want to say? No, that's all I've got. Very cool. All right, so heroes and villains. Uh, this, we'll start off with the heroes as we do yeah. every week with the grunt that Pig Freedom Snort of the Week. <laughs> These are people that have stood up for uh, liberty and for people's freedom around the world. Uh, Pete, your hero. Josh, roll the tape. James, after 3.5 years, yep. two general elections, after 17.4 million people gave the British government the biggest mandate in the history of British history, in the history of British democracy, and after all the treachery from the traitors who decided to subvert the dem- democratic will of the British people as of 11pm Greenwich Mean Time on January 31, the British were out of the EU. Well, they're in the transition period, but out of the <laughs> oh, EU. You killed that moment. <laughs> Roll the tape. Give, give it some bloody... <laughs> Again, Pete, you've come out with some amazing statistics. Mm. I'm just loving the statistic play from this. Well, uh, yeah, it's hard to find all that information. It took, you know, eight yeah. seconds of Googling. 
yeah, it's one of those things where you just like you got to sit back and just go. I mean, I know it's not no deal, which is what Pete and I wanted, <laughs> but and we're the important ones, and we're the important ones. We're the big stakeholders. Uh, I know it's not a no deal, but like I was genuinely getting to the point last year where I'm like, there might not actually be a Brexit. Like I, yeah. I was on the show saying there's going to be a second referendum, they won't be given a mm. good leave option. It was just going to go. So I mean. You know, you shouldn't be too happy with the fact that a democratically elected vote took three and a half years to implement, but mm. I'm still pretty happy that it happened. Yeah, and you get that genuine thing like, if this doesn't happen, like, what does that mean? That yeah. means that they can steal democracy. Yes, that democracy like, isn't real. If you choose badly, the elites will take it away yeah, from you. They'll take it off you. Because you did bad. But they couldn't. And obviously, we've had, you know, Brendan O'Neill, Nigel Farage, even, yep. Mr. Brexit himself on the show, Dan Hannon. And the British people have said, actually, uh, we prefer we like being British mm. a little bit more than maybe an extra percent of GDP yes. if that in fact actually happens. Uh, all right, I, I think they might get both. To be honest, uh, now let's. Uh, my hero this week is the Mighty Dina's Cricket yeah. Club. Boom! The Mighty Dina's Cricket Club. About bloody time. Uh, so two weeks from last, uh, sorry, two weeks ago on the show, Sports Rewards had come out, and Peter Gregory here, the vice captain, not what, anymore. President? No, I got um, got the ass for oh, that. Actually. No. <laughs> I didn't know that. That was not me trying to tell you. Yeah. No, I didn't Don't blood. But, uh, um, Thanks, Harry. What did I say? Uh, tribal elder of the cricket Definitely club. Definitely spir- spiritual leader for sure. Uh, w- you made a, a solemn pitch to Bridget McKenzie to include the Deaners in sports rods. Mm. You cited how the Deaners are in an electorate that might be getting a bit marginal mm. and you wanted the money. Now, Bridget McKenzie didn't cough up and you were a good cop. You tried to play good cop. Then Bad Cop Peter came out, and Bridget McKenzie subsequently has resigned. So is this the biggest scalp the Deaners have ever had? I The Deaners have got a lot of fingers in a lot of pies. Yeah. And maybe I wasn't quite clear to Bridget that if we, d- we didn't receive the funding we desired, heads were going to roll, <laughs> all right? Yeah. And no, that this, she's not the biggest scalp the Deaners have ever had. Who is the biggest scalp the Deaners have ever had? I don't want to say. Really? It's, yeah, yeah, it's secret. So, <laughs> but... Just do what we say. All right. Well, there we go. Uh, uh, if you do want to read more about that, Daniel Ward had an interesting article on ipa.org.au talking about how Bridget McKenzie is just part and parcel with the Attorney General Department where mm. Bridget McKenzie was done by unelected bureaucrats also meddling in pol- politics. So and there is a serious point to be made there. Uh, and a few of her own actions probably played a part as well. I would say. I would say. Cough up the, <laughs> cough up the fact that you're a member of the shooting club. Now, uh, I also want to ask you, is 2020, like 2019 probably not the year of the Deaners? No. Is 2020 looking like the year of the Deaners? Well, we're coming up, you know, we're, we're coming up. Heads are rolling. <laughs> you're, winning, you're making plays off the field. Yeah. Now, will this translate to on-field success? We've started winning a few games. Yep. But we're still last. And we probably need to win our last two. We're going to win. We're probably going to win on the weekend, but we got rained out. It was day two. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we've got two more games. We probably need to win in both. To st- well, we definitely need to win in both to not get relegated. All right, cool. Uh, now, uh, Pete, would you like to throw us over to villains? Because yeah. I refuse to play this clip. Ancient rebellion protests enter their sixth day. The activists are trying to pressure the Australian government. That, ladies and gentlemen, was, of course, the October Extinction Rebellion nudie run to uh, save nudie the Nudie run in inverted commas for yeah. people listening at home. People listening. Couldn't even be bothered getting fully naked. Not a real nudie run. Thanks for coming. Anyway, the Extinction Rebellion fake nudie run Villain of the Week award is now what we call the award for Villain of the Week. James, what do you got for me? Uh, what do I have here? I, okay, I got Joaquin Phoenix. Now, uh, the Baptists, oh, yeah. which Peter Gregory learned about on the show, you'll learn, hear Peter Gregory learn about in the quiz, the fact that the Baptists exist. Yeah. Uh, so, Joaquin Phoenix won the BAFTA for Best Actor for Joker, as obviously he should. That was an amazing performance. Uh, but he's starting to come into my crosshairs because... Uh, he uses his acceptance speech at the BAFTAs to call out white privilege. Mm-hmm. And you just think, like, I, we get a lot of, uh, you know, um, political statements at award ceremonies, but it's becoming a trend, if you'll yeah. stay with me. So, so you had him... about incels. Yeah, you, <laughs> you had him uh, coming up and saying that he felt conflicted by his victory, quote, because so many of my fellow actors who are deserving don't have that same privilege. He added, quote, we send a very clear message to people of colour that you're not welcome here. I notice he did not turn down the award. <laughs> well, that's the point I was yeah. <laughs> Like, If you're really cut up about the fact that there are no black people nominated, yeah. rescind your nomination, ask for a black person to be uh, given the nomination instead. Exactly right. And not only that, James, but the American median income, more research, $47,000 and 60. Another stat? $47,000 and 60. Yep. Give away all your money 
except for that much. You can keep that much. That's the median income. Yep. If that's what you reckon, if the system's oppressive yeah. and discriminatory, put your money where your mouth is, you walk in. And so the reason I say this is an ongoing trend is that the story also, he was nearly my villain at the start of the year because uh, designer Stella McCartney announced to the whole world that the Joker star would only wear one of her tuxedos for the entire award system to help fight climate change. Yeah. I noticed he also flew over to Britain to go to the Baptist. Yeah, and he's How many tuxedos does it take to fly over the, like, it, you don't, Go equal. Yeah. Brad Pitt didn't go to the Baptist. There was an option to not go to the Baptist. Is that because of climate change or? I, I don't know. Just I just think, on. you know. <laughs> Want to watch the Super Bowl. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, and his tux is worth 15 grand anyway. Exactly. And this brings me to my final point with this villain. And I know I'm going along with it, but <laughs> it's just like, Joaquin Phoenix, look at the camera. Joaquin, we get it. You're not the Joker. You're not actually the Joker. None of us believe you are. You can stop sucking up and you can stop promoting left-wing things because no one actually thinks that you're the Joker and stands up for what the Joker was fighting for. It's just a movie. Yeah, no, I agree. All I right. agree. Settle down, Joaquin. Okay, cool. I'm All right. Over to you. My villain, very quick one here. Just trying to find it on my page. On Monday, the Australian government has increased the dreaded alcohol tax. Now, the alcohol tax has been increasing every six months for 35 years. So I think they get a chance to review it every... Every six months. And lo and behold, it's gone up 71 times in a row. 35 years, it went up by 1.2%. A massive 42% of the retail price on a carton of beer is taxed. 42%, James. That's a disgrace. The Brewers Association of Australia calculated that Australians paid $2.23 per litre of alcohol in tax on stubbies, cans and long necks, compared with just 28 cents in the US and 12 cents in Germany. Now, my villain isn't the government, James. My villain is the Australian people. Oh. I just spoke <laughs> wow. about the Poms who won Brexit despite what their government tried to do to them. We accept this tax. Let's stand up and fight for it. Yeah. You know, if we want you know, no alcohol tax, don't lay, lay down and take it. Do we have to re- like renounce our membership from the EU to get back in your good books? Like, what? Is there just going to be no Australian Eurovision this year? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I'm not sure. But yeah, no, the Australian people for accepting this situation yeah. is my villain for this just, to, like, just so you like people at home... Uh, th- this helps me figure about it, but with 42% of the price of beer being taxed, like mm. that, we pay as much in tax on a beer as rich people do on income. Like, yeah. like it's getting that bad, isn't it? Yeah. I don't, I'm not as good as stats as you are. But anyway, <laughs> this is how you promote the free market ideology to people that don't care about politics. Is you just go, do you know how cheap beer is in places that are not Australia? Because mm. we can get there. It's not a matter of, you know, supply. Yeah. It's just tax. Bit of tax channel on the Saturday night. All right. Uh, let's now go to our interview with Chris Decker. Uh, w- so we're going to be hearing a lot about Generation Liberty and the stuff that people are up against when they try and promote the ideas of free markets and freedom of speech on university campuses. So if you do want to get involved in Generation Liberty, if you do want to hear about these ideas, if you do want to get involved in the great community of Generation Liberty members that we have, I mean, there's over a thousand now, uh, head on over to ipa.org.au slash join. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. There's so many ways you can connect with Generation Liberty and just be a part of the community. So let's go to that interview now. Let's do it. Okay, we now welcome on to the show someone who has been at the centre of a media firestorm for the last week. We want to get you on the show and talk about the whole thing. So Chris Decker, Generation Liberty Campus Coordinator at QUT in Queensland. Uh, now, let's let's start from the start with this story because Generation Liberty, get, like O-Week's coming up, all the universities are going back. Generation Liberty's going to have a store where people can sign up. That was all you know, looking pretty good. It's looking good under a lot of universities across Australia. Then what happened? Yes. So on the 24th of January, which was Friday, uh, we were informed from QUT after we had filled out like our, our paperwork details for, for an O-Week stall, including like insurance and all that kind of hoo-ha to jump through that, you know, we didn't meet the QUT Guild's uh, standards. We sent out an email, you know, within the hour and then we got the got an repl- automated reply from the person saying that they would be on leave until the 5th of February, which was funny given they they'd emailed us half an hour earlier but then uh, fortunately on Monday we got a follow-up email saying that you know that there would be no appeals process we didn't that they had referred it to a committee and at at the guild they uh we we apparently don't meet their standards whatever they are um when we were booking the form I mean I have the the market day there is a prop here. for people listening at home. There's a very uh, well-filled out form. Yeah. Every every box is checked, which yeah. I like. So so going through this, I mean, the, the terms and conditions is very small. It's, it's literally just this page here. Um, 
there's really nothing that I, I think that we would have broken. I mean, and under promotional material, it says, uh, you know, anything that can be deemed discriminatory or offensive is not allowed on campus. But I mean, all of ours is pretty just. We like freedom of speech and free markets. Good. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's nothing outrageous. So uh, it was really just, I think, the consensus of the guild. Um, later on the later on Facebook, after you know the article in the Australian. Uh, broke, uh, you know, the president of the QUT Guild, Olivia Brum, is basically making out like we're lying and that um, initially said that, you know, we were applying for an O-Week uh, booth and then said, you know, it's only for, Market Week is only for external organisations because we were applying for both. Market Week is only for external organisations and clubs uh, and the external orgs have to provide products and services to students, which we do. Um, you you pay $10 and you get a cool little goodie bag with some, some books and, and uh, I think we've got temporary tattoos and um, yeah, and like nice bottle card openers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it seems really 10, cool. That's 14 year old birthday parties up and it's, yeah, but, so who is this guild? Like are they students? Are they university administrators? Right, like, what's so, their deal? So they're the, the student elected uh, body and basically they, they had an election last year um, that was kind of put together last minute because their constitutional reforms uh, failed and they, their constitution was, had even said at the, at the electoral tribunal that it was written really awfully um, and a lawyer had written it. Um, and now they have to run new student, democratic student elections in March because most of the positions were illegally contested, basically. So they, so they said to you, your values don't align with those of QUT. What values are they? And what, and what do you think, how does that make you feel when you know that the social alternative is allowed to have a stall and they are on record as saying they're a Trotskyist organisation, you know, and obviously the Trotsky has this awful history. They're yeah, okay well, to have a stall, but we're not. They've even said some, you know, allegedly uh, anti-Semitic, um, depending on who you ask, uh, remarks. Yes, but like a long history of socialism. Not, they're not big fans of Jews, like traditionally going back through history. Uh, yeah, perhaps not. No, yeah. um, putting it lightly. But, you know, our, our values are, um, you know, we're not, we're not a homogenous organisation. There's plenty of people who have, you know, internal disagreements. Um, but generally it's, you know, freedom of speech, democracy, the rule of law, um, you know, uh, political freedoms, uh, these sorts of things um, that unite kind of conservatives and libertarians and, and people on the centre right without... And I'd say political. people on the left as well. I mean, like freedom of speech and mm. stuff like that has long been like a left-wing thing as well. Well, I'm I'm considered the lefty in the in the Generation Liberty Office. I mean, um, you know, I'm a libertarian. I've I've I came from the left, so yeah. I mean, it, it's meant to unite us and kind of educate younger people who perhaps don't hear those about those sorts of things in class anymore, and they also get to hear from you know influential lecturers and 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 academics and and politicians and and that sort of thing. So it's Really, a good opportunity and great value for money at, at ten dollars. <laughs> yeah, can, can I just say, okay. sales. put the banner up on the bottom of the screen uh, for people watching at home. But uh, see, this is the thing. So the university guild comes out and they say, you know, this market we thing. Oh, it's only for social clubs and stuff like that. We don't let organisations like that. But you can't ban Generation Liberty, well, but allow socialist alternative well, to be around. It's, it's, it's registered clubs and. Ex external organisations at the market week. And we were fine with being the latter because we're not registered at the university. Um, but yeah, and, and, you know, later on, you know, they tried telling us that um, they weren't going to allow, they chose to not allow political organisations on campus. And I mean, we're not a political party. We're quasi-political at best in the same way that, you know, Amnesty International or Cancer Council are who frequently show up on campus. And there's nothing wrong with that. But once again, you know, that these are quasi-political nature because they're, you know, topics that people have opinions about. But, yeah, in terms of, you know, not allowing us, they had no notice of not allowing political external organisations on campus. Um, and, you know, this form, I, I don't think we have it here on this particular one, but the, like, a, a form attached to this basically saying that to show you how outdated these forms are was like, uh, their target audience is Gen Y, and I mean that's like yeah, it's <laughs> like people over twenty five now. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> they really need to get their act together if they aren't going if they are going to just pick and choose what type of external organisations. Yeah, there's just like a logo from. on the bottom saying share us on MySpace. Uh, but like 
This seems to be a problem long-standing with... <laughs> yeah, they've got Napster. Uh, this seems to be a long-standing problem with QUT because, like, people, long-time listeners of the show slash long-time followers of Australian politics would know QUT came up, I think it was, like, 2012 or maybe a bit later when Callum Thwaites was one of the students that got embroiled because... Uh, uh, this freak out on Facebook over what was or was what was not written in a discussion because a white person was kicked out of a, a indigenous only computer lab. So, like, is there a systemic bias problem at QUT? Is this something that keeps on coming up, or is like is this just where you, all universities are at? Um, I think you'll find it across a lot of public institutions. It's um. It's not necessarily something that's inherently been deliberately seeded. Uh, I just think it's something that over time happens when, you know, um, you, you need to put these kind of virtue signaling, you know, policies in place to, to appease everyone. Um, the QUT Guild is, you know, it's a student elected body. So, you know, I guess they have the argument that, uh, you know, that that's what people elected them for. But um, I think when we talk about kind of cancel culture or left-wing bias on campus. Sometimes it's overt, but at QUT it seemingly be is behind closed doors or subvert. So when I have lectures, you know, I don't have these crazy University of Sydney lectures where, you know, they, they tell you, you know, I'm going to make you a communist by the end of this or something like that. Because we don't have a humanities department, which is fantastic, by the <laughs> way. Um, they got rid of that like a decade ago. Um, but it's more the subvert messaging that you, you know, for people coming direct out of high school, you know, I'm learning about topics that some in law that some of them, you know, I, I know a fair bit of background reading on, but if you're coming direct from high school and, you know, that you're listening to a, a professor, a PhD um, with, you know, someone you greatly respect on, on an area or a topic that you're greatly interested about, you should be hearing both sides of the story. So I think that, you know, the overt bias that you hear about in university to me like i don't care about that everyone's got an opinion it's like people who complain about sky news bias it's like if you can't see the bias on sky news like get your head wrong you know <laughs> yeah yeah and if um, you don't like the bias then you know change the channel well, you know, and, and that's the there same. are so many channels that's the thing about qut um you could if you're a private discrimination uh private organization you know discriminate between which types of organizations you're going to have on your campus but the qt guild's funded by student services fees which are approach like you know they're compulsorily acquired from students um you have no option but to pay them if you want to get your marks and graduate or even i think some universities prevent you from even being able to use library resources until you've paid them and that would be fair if they were just for facilities but you know these go to student guilds which aren't voluntary so just on that so that they're meant to represent the students these people what has been the reaction of your fellow students to this um it's been pretty divided. Um, I think there's certainly a lot of people who just don't care, which is fair, you know, like, and, you know, that's that's kind of why I argue for voluntary SAF because there are a lot of people who just don't care about politics, and that's fine. Um, but there are, you know, people on both sides who just say that, oh, you're lying, or, oh, Generation Liberty's lying, and I think, you know, if, from telling you the full story, it seems that, I don't know if they're lying, but they certainly haven't got their act together if they don't. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's a very mixed reaction. I think um, the left seems to keep trying to attack me online and be like, oh, you know, we got you. I typed out this giant novel with, you know, it may, basically may as well have, you know, be an audio book. It's that long. And it's like, I live rent-free in your head. Like, I don't <laughs> yeah. have to reply to any of this stuff. Yeah. Um, it's the thrill of getting a long comment like that and not reading it. It's yeah. just like knowing they're out yeah, there. Yeah, too so long, didn't like, read. can't wait for this response and it never comes. Well, I've just been replying to this to QT girl president ah, with go. just photos of a beer on like Friday <laughs> and Saturday. It's like, I'm not reading this. I'm doing better things. All right, fantastic. One of the right. better things you have been doing is that you had your first appearance on Sky News, which means that all three of us, uh, you know, we, we're now Sky News affiliates, I would say. Uh, you know, we're people that have been on. Yeah, yep. so, and he just bagged as well after going on it. Sorry? And he just bagged them as well after going on it. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> Please uh, let me back on. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so what? your first uh, time on TV, what was it like? Um, I think daunting at first, but I 
don't have a lot of fears. Um, it was not not to brag, <laughs> but, but it, like? was, it was a very short appearance. I gave very long answers to, to the extent that I think that Chris Kenny was like, all right, let's wrap this up and get this guy off the air. And also before, because I got called like half an hour before I was due to appear and we had to you know, run down. I, uh, Roskin quickly gave me a, a razor and I was in the bathroom with water <laughs> going like, Ugh. and then Gideon sat me down in the, in the, the private room and was just like, Basically simulated what it's. It's like a meeting room for those at home who don't understand. Yeah, no, it's not a private dance room. It's like a, it's like it's just a room with a phone in it that we take you know, quiet calls in. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the quiet room. Right. Quiet, quiet room. Room. <laughs> yeah. right, right. Open plan office. Carry yes. on. Yes. Um, gone right, <laughs> and we will get this back on track. Okay. Well, yeah. So, and then Gideon just sat me down in the room and and basically just was like went through all the types of answers and he's like, oh. You know, you you seem pretty good for your first go. I didn't even need to give you a beer, so um, <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, I think it, school of medium. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Give him a beer. All right, um, well, he's about to be on this show, so we'll address that particular yeah. part of the media strategy with him. Yeah. Uh, my one was like uh, when I was on the Bolt Report last. Uh, they put my Twitter handle up on the screen, but I forgot to turn off my pocket, uh, turn off my phone. Mm. So for the entire interview, my phone was just vibrating with people just like either following or replying to tweets, and I was like. Very hard to lose yourself into a TV interview and continue conversation with like a constant reminder that there are people watching you well, at all well, that times. Was, they've, they've, uh, on other media appearances, I think on American TV, there was one time where they were like interviewing a, a journalist on Skype, like who, who'd like like a whistleblower or something, and then someone else kept like skyping him, like some <laughs> some like dude in his basement with like a hairy chest. Yeah, or dude, something. you're on TV. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, all right, uh, fantastic. So, uh, Generation Liberty. Become a member if you're at QUT. It's probably it's apparently become a lot harder for you to become a Generation Liberty member. So make sure you are going to the IPA website, liking us on Facebook, Instagram, and following the YouTube channel, and mm -hmm. make sure you're getting involved uh, because it's an awesome, awesome thing to do. All right, Chris, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks, mate. Okay, we've got another round of the Young IPA quiz coming up for you. Loaded panel this mm. week. We have Chris, we just spoke to uh, in an interview. Double Decker. Quiz. Double Decker is, I think, the nickname that Peter <laughs> slash... Oh, <laughs> top Decker. He's not happy with that. Yeah. Uh, oh, so Chris Decker, uh, Generation Liberty Campus Coordinator. Gideon Rosner, returning champion, going for the unprecedented fourth in a row. Yeah. I think that would be a record. Oh, I think that would it. be a record. We'll see. Hopefully the quiz uh, machinery doesn't break down like the Iowa Democratic Party says today. So. Yeah, and then <laughs> we find Find out that the winner was. A I don't want to be robbed like Bernie's about to be. Yeah, exactly. And uh, of course, the roof C on the one and only Peter Gregory. Roof, roof, coming at you. Were All you right. back in Bernie? Sorry, were you back in Bernie? Uh, no, I just like when they take it. Like some, the the person that gets the most votes better win, and they stole it from Bernie in 2016, and they're going to steal it from him again. I'm backing it's, Bernie. That what Bernie broke? He may be a socialist, but he's a, a democratic socialist. I'm I'm backing Warren. I think that you know she will wow. make Hillary Clinton look like Margaret Thatcher. Oh, there Trump we will go. Eat her alive. Yeah. Can you imagine you're the going for someone from the perspective of who Trump is going to be by the most margin. Well, I don't want any of them to be president. I mean, uh, but if one of them had to be, if one of them had to be. Oh, I, I probably uh, not Bloomberg. I couldn't stand for the guy who took away giant, you know, uh, and he takes dogs by the mouth. He may be the most moderate. I, I, I would have to go with Mayor Pete. I kind of like Mayor, the Pete? Mayor mm. Pete's jib. He's, he's mild. He's inoffensive. I'm leaning Yang Gang. I don't like UBI, oh, but yeah. he's good on so many other things that I lean Yang Gang. Well, we're interested in who the Clintons decide is going to win. Then. Yeah, that, <laughs> it still could be Hillary. I'm not ruling that out. Well, um, I reckon the the, the tack one would might be, get you a bit closer to that microphone. Yeah. There we go. The, the tactical one would be Bernie, and then just getting Pete. Booty keg to be the, the VP nom because he'll yeah. get all the donuts. There we go. All right. Uh, now, this is a quiz. Let's quiz. And we shall quiz. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. Let's sorry. Uh, nine questions, one point on for, uh, correct, one point off for incorrect. We've got a five, four, three, two, one. Who am I at the end? Uh, buzzers are your first names, and I think we're all good. Wow. Yeah. That was loud click from Pete. But he gave me double the buzzer. Buzzer. pistols. So this man's ready to quiz. All right. So we had the leadership spill this morning. Who is now the leader of the Greens? Adam Ban. Adam Ban is correct. You I should finished have, that question before. I did. You, I did. Yeah. I just, he said it so quickly. I didn't have time to uh, stop right. talking. Fortune favors the brave. It that does. That was, uh, yeah. That All right. Was we had another leadership spill today. Who up. is? Uh, Michael McCormack. That is correct. Who is the leader oh, of the Nationals? I didn't change up the questions. Who? So? Didn't change up. Went for the who's the leader of the... Didn't go with who's not the leader. Yeah, just sort I of thought so. I should have done that. Anyway, oh, well. That's all right. right. Uh, question three. Uh, who won the Super Bowl? Uh, roof, roof. Roof, Roof. Oh, Kansas City. Kansas City. Do I have to say the team? The thing I... You can either say the team or the state. No Do one better than Trump. Missouri. 
Yes, all right, uh, I'll give him that. Trump got that wrong. What a yeah. <laughs> king, of, king of Twitter. That was, that was nearly a dump moment. That was nearly a dump moment. <laughs> Unbelievable. It was the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, I was going to say that anyway. There we go. You should uh, get two points. Uh, you should. All right. Uh, question number four. One point for all so far. Good yeah. start. Which Labor figure met with the Attorney General's Department? Decker, and asked Decker got oh. them Oh, yeah, it was definitely Decker. Uh, Dreyfus. Dreyfus is correct. Mark Dreyfus. Oh, first I mean. Just kidding. <laughs> oh, the, there, are, there are a few Dreyfus. Middle name. What? Middle name. Yeah. Kansas City what? Uh, yes, Mark Dreyfus is the Labor figure that met with the Attorney General's Department and asked him to target CPAC Australia. Uh, make sure you go on ipa.org.au to read all about that. Front page uh, of the Australian. Indeed. Very good shout out. Not an extra point though. Uh, but good try. Okay, so we just had the Iowa caucus, which we spent way too long discussing. Yeah. What's the next one? Gideon. Gideon. New Hampshire. It is correct. Yeah. All right. Very good. This is a hot quiz. This is like a lot of points going off. The eagle-eyed viewer would know would realize that we haven't got the scoreboard up on the screen today. Yep. So that's Bolt's fault. Yes. And that's all I wanted to say. <laughs> we don't? No, no, we're going to put it up at the end. I just got like, it's just like, it was adding stuff to the editing process. I always got it wrong anyway. So I will just back myself in as the quiz master extraordinaire yep. for no reason at all because I do not deserve to be backed in. Now, which film just won the BAFTA Best Picture? Oh, God. Oh, the BAFTA, the BAFTA. The BAFTA. I didn't even, even watch award shows roof. I have heard of. Roof Roof. The Joker. No. Oh, get <laughs> I, I shall not Because we were talking about the Joker before And I just thought that's yeah. why he brought it up He won Best Actor But it was not Best Picture Who watches okay. the damn BAFTAs? Oh, I don't even know what a BAFTA yeah. is so. Well alright sorry But it's also like the favourite for the Oscars so. What an unimaginative name for an award show It sounds like a, a government acronym. authority you'd have to like deal with And you wouldn't want Like oh the bloody BAFTAs calling up again <laughs> <laughs> Oh, apparently Hollywood stars don't go. No, don't, don't, don't do that. The bathroom will come after you. Yeah, all right. Sorry, it is 1917, it's which if you haven't seen already, is an extremely good film and is you should it? always watch it. Yes, okay. four and a half stars from James Bolt. Paper Thin Story. Knocks it off that half. Uh, all right, sorry. Well, <laughs> don't have a lot of uh, hope for this one, uh, but who won Best Supporting Actor? Who is the favourite for Best Supporting Actor at the Oscars? Best Supporting Actor. I best Supporting like Actor. Oh, absolutely no idea. Decker loves movies. <laughs> so, apparently what? not. Last one I saw was Cats. Uh, <laughs> that is not nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Sorry <laughs> to Idris Elba. It wasn't nominated for anything, was it? <laughs> no. no. A few Razzies, but uh, no Oscars. I'm going to sit this one out. Okay, we also had a uh, bonus point at the end of this one, so <laughs> we're going to scrap that part. But it was Brad Pitt uh, for uh, oh, what's the movie. What's one, the bonus question? The bonus point was who accepted the award in, on his behalf because he didn't rock oh, up. Oh, I saw this on the news. Oh, you get the bonus point, but not the actual question. No, this I wouldn't have a clue who it was. I don't, I don't think I ever heard of the actress. You have never heard of Margot Robbie. No. What, a, <laughs> what an incredible moment. <laughs> I'm, I'm missing a hey, pop culture gene. If anyone doesn't doubt that... Sorry, if anyone Name doubts Bell, that but Gideon I, I Rosner doesn't live, breathe and sleep She's with an politics. Aussie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the fact that Gideon Rosner does not politics know who Margot Robbie is. Politics is only form entertainment I need. Crazy. Uh, just... Stunned. Gonna, stunned. You've triggered I, I'm, I'm, I'm stunned. I am speechless. Someone else do, do the quiz. No, I'll do it. Well, this isn't uh, the Institute of Bloody Hollywood yeah. and uh, <laughs> Institute of Bloody Hollywood and glitz and glamour and <laughs> should be. Uh, yeah. Now, Greta Thunberg. Back to people we all know. Greta Thunberg was nominated for which award this week? Roof, 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 roof. Uh, Nobel Prize. Oh, Nobel Peace that. Prize, indeed. Yeah, Peace Prize, even because she didn't win it last time. So I reckon they will nominate her every single year until she gets it. Yeah. There will be some political uh, body around the world that will be she'll like, live this will get us like some retweets. Seventy years, so yeah, we'll never never hear the end of it. Indeed. Uh, now, last. Sorry, we're all on. No, sorry, we got Gideon on two, we got uh, Chris on two, and we got Pete on one. Uh, last one. question before the Who Am I? WA taxpayer-owned state theatre centre apologised to the Chinese government this week. Oh, Gideon. why? Because they had some sort of Taiwanese cultural tribute. They did indeed. They uh, had uh, the Free and Democratic Republic of China. There we go. Which deserves <laughs> international recognition. Do you mean Taiwan? Yes. Yes. <laughs> you said China. All right. Uh, all right. Sorry. Who am I? Five, four, three, two, one. Uh, all right. Sorry. For five points, yeah. I was born a hundred years ago on Thursday. Hundred years ago on Thursday. Hundred nine years ago on Thursday. So. 1910. No, 1911. So what's the most fun part of this quiz? Like, what's 2020? The calendar switchover has really hurt. Yeah, it's got me a couple of times. for you two. It should make it easier. But yeah, no, I don't know who that is, James. Decker. All right, anyone? 1911? Any guesses? All right, just quick score check. Gideon on two. Peter on one. Chris on three. No, Gideon on three. Sorry. I wrote GD. Don't show us the damn sheet. <laughs> Sorry. You do this every time, Bolt. One day somebody's going to cut together all the footage of me accidentally sort of, you know, yeah. bits and pieces. That's why I wanted to see that this time. That will be a very dedicated <laughs> fan. Do enough people watch. Too. All right. Oh, I hope so. What the hell are we all doing here? You've got something better to do, mate. <laughs> 
No. I was All told right. this is getting 50,000 views live. Uh, four points. Uh, I was elected president of the Screen Actors Guild in 1959. I will remind president. you, definitely know who this is. President, president of the Screen oh, Actors Gideon. Guild in 1959. Is it Ronald Reagan by it any chance? It was Ronald Aha! Reagan. Gideon has done it again. Bloody hell. Gideon is on... Long live the Quiz King. This is a mid-90s bulls run from Gideon, which is a reference only I'm going to get at this panel. Oh, no, I, I know about the mid-90s bulls. All right, uh, Gideon, well done. Chris, thank, thank you. you for playing. Peter, thank you for playing. We've got Pleasure more show for you guys after this. Let's do it. Congratulations to Gideon Voss and the mm. unprecedented four in a row. How long can this last? He's just so good on those who am I's. Yeah, he does have some travel coming up, so he might have to, uh, what, what do you call it? Abdicate. Yeah. That's yeah. a word, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he has to abdicate the throne. Yeah. Uh, all right, let us go through some stories that made us laugh this week. And this one is hot off the press, and we talk mm. about it briefly in the quiz when, it was, when we were still learning about what happened. Mm. But now that we get the full picture, what the hell happened at Iowa? Oh, mate. What the hell Happened at Iowa. The primaries are just poisoned for the party who is trying to win it. Like, it's all the major players fighting each other and then something like this happens. Okay, so for people that don't know or, like, know some of it, which is pretty much all of us, mm. uh, the Iowa caucus, which is, you know, the first indicator of who's going to be the Democratic yeah. nominee Very or important. Republican nominee, you know, just whichever party's not in power. Uh, so Democrats are spending so long. We had the No Malarkey tour from Joe Biden, uh, <laughs> Who which is still, still my favourite name for a tour ever. Uh, but people have been campaigning in Iowa for weeks and months trying to figure out who won, and the vote was last night, and we have no idea who won because the app crashed. They had to give their victory speeches yep. without knowing who won. Yep. No, that, and, and only one of them did. And, and one of them's like, you know, uh, Pete Buttigieg was yeah. just like, you know what? I won. Yeah. <laughs> by all accounts. Oh, so he just claimed it. I won. He didn't know. He just said by all indications. And the, uh, well, we've now come out with 62% of the vote has been released, which mm. is, uh, you know, congratulations on releasing 62% of a vote. Mm. But Pete is ahead in that. Uh, now, like, there's all kinds of conspiracy theories that have come out, mm. like, oh, you know, oh, they found out that Bernie was up by 15 and the DNC were just like, don't release it, claim the app shut down. Yeah. I'll tell you what's not helping it. It's the fact that the app was set up by a company called Shadow Inc. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, was the, was, like, the name rigged taken on the yeah. ASX? Like, yeah. Evil Incorporated? Exactly right. And they said they're a permanent advantage, so this is how they describe themselves, a permanent advantage for progressive campaigns and causes through technology. Mm. You're not living up to your not. credo <laughs> <laughs> at this point in time. Yep. You've got one thing to live up to, it. it's not that. Uh, so... There's a whole lot of attention about what this Shadow Inc. is and who they are and where they come from. They were mm. set up in 2019. They're this like tech firm. Mm. They released this app. You uploaded the results of the app and then the app uh, would just tell people who won. But there was all these things coming through about how you needed to keep the app constantly open or would just lose data, mm. which would be a tough thing to figure out first stuff when you <laughs> put in thousands of votes and it's like, oh, we lost it. That's right. Uh, and then this other thing... Uh, Here's one number I want to focus in on. The the Democratic Party paid them $63,000 for this app. That's now, I'm much. not a big app guy. I don't know a whole lot about the internet. 63 seems small for yeah. the most important thing in the result of an election. It, I feel like which is figuring out who won. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I mean, I'm flabbergasted. I thought it would be like millions. I thought you were going to say, oh, like, they paid $25 million for it and this nope. is what happened. $63,000. i will make you an app for cheaper than that. <laughs> like, I can't. I definitely couldn't do it. Yeah, but like, the problem is it didn't work. Yeah. Uh, now, this is like the big moment of the democratic cycle. This is like, we're going to bring down Trump. I mean, we had the State of the Union yesterday. Mm. Uh, we're going to bring down Trump. We're going to run the country. You can trust us, but we can't figure out who won the Iowa election. Yeah, exactly. It's very sad. Now, we're going to reform healthcare. Exactly. Uh, now, there is one particular moment I really want to hone in on, which might be the best oh, yeah. video of 2020 already. Now, Sean Sebastian is one of the caucus secretaries and he joins CNN with Wolf Blitzer and you'll hear it, but he is just there to, like Wolf's asking him, why is there no results? What do you know as the, uh, what is it, uh, caucus secretary? What can you tell us? Now, Sean is also subsequently on hold with the people at Shadow Inc or just like the people that know the results and he's on hold waiting for them to tell him who won. Mm. He's been on hold for a while and then they answer halfway through the interview. Let's see what happens. Hearing, I know you're listening to a conversation uh, from the Iowa uh, Democratic Party. Um, so, this is a real coincidence, Wolf. I just got off hold. 
just now. So I've got to get off the phone to report the results. All right. Uh, go ahead. Report your results. Can we listen in as you report them, Sean? Yep. All right. Cool. Let's listen. All right. <laughs> okay. Hi. Hello? They hung up on me. That is the best primary soundbite since Please Clap. Has the sadness like it's it's this perfect oh, mix of sadness and surprise, yeah. <laughs> just and played out for the entire nation. Yeah, that's beautiful. Wrong. Exactly uh, wrong. Yeah, this is crazy. Uh, we still don't like they're booked in to do another primary, so <laughs> it'd be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. And we still don't know who won Iowa. Yeah, but on to New Hampshire. That's right. The latest thing is though Pete Buttigieg slightly ahead. Slight, he is slightly, slightly ahead. And uh, Trump is going to beat any of these people. Especially <laughs> So badly. Yeah, that's right. And of course, the thing about the app is yep. if the people who run it are all, all used to work for Clinton. Oh, did they? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Interesting stuff. Uh, all right. Uh, let's go on. I, there was this other article that I want to hone in on, which is uh, all right. So it's this article that appeared in The Guardian. Uh, why white women are paying $2,500 uh, to learn about racism at dinner. Yep. Uh, so I'm just going to read the article and you just react as you wish. All right? okay. Freshly made pasta is drying on the wooden banisters lining the hall of a beautiful home in Denver, Colorado. Sounds nice. Fox hunting photos decorate the walls in a room full of books. A fire is burning and downstairs a group of liberal white women have gathered around a long wooden table to admit how racist they are. Recently, uh, quote, Recently, I've been driving around seeing a black person and having the assumption that they are up to no good. That is racist. Says Alison Kupser. <laughs> that is quite racist. Immediately after I have like, that's no good. This is a human just doing their thing. Why do I think that? Uh, I want to know why you think that and then also why you think it's okay to tell the Guardian journalist that you think that. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, we now know you by name. That's so weird that you would allow that to happen. Yeah. Anyway, this is Race to Dinner. A white woman volunteers to host a dinner in her home for seven other white women, often strangers, perhaps acquaintances. Each dinner costs $2,500, which can be covered by a generous host or divided among guests. A frank discussion is led by co-founders Regina, uh, Regina Jackson, who is black, and Saira Rial, who identifies as Indian American. They start a race to dinner to challenge liberal white women to accept their racism, however subconscious. If you did this in a constant room, they'd leave, Rao says, but wealthy white women have been taught never to leave the dinner table. That's also a little bit racist. Yeah, I'll that's, say that. That's it's a little bit racist. racist. Yeah. Uh, it seems unlikely anyone would voluntarily go to a dinner party in which they'd be asked one by one, what's the racist thing you did recently? Don't know why. Yeah. Uh, but by two women of colour before appetisers are served. But Jackson and Rao have hardly been able to ke- take a break since they started these dinners in the spring of 2019. So far, 15 dinners have been held in cities across the US. Mm. Now, I don't say a whole lot of things. I don't call a lot of people heroes, but uh, these two people are my hero. That, what an incredible way to make money. Oh, yeah. You get paid handsomely to go to a dinner with people you don't know and yell at them. Yeah. Amazing. That's incredible business I, just, I, I can't imagine how much fun that job is. Well, it's good work for those that can get it. Exactly. I don't know if it'd be I, fun. I can't though. do it. I'd love to, but I can't do it. I don't reckon it would be fun. Are you, are you serious? <laughs> Just be like, why are you doing this? Why are you paying me money for me to do this to you? Yeah, you think that. You don't say it. <laughs> anyway, you the, thing to is, gripe. the thing is, ironically, this is the widest thing I've ever heard. Mm. And unbelievably white. And if you're, now, we've just criticised people for being racist, but this is very white. <laughs> yeah. This is very, very white. And if you're going to pay 2500 bucks, like I don't think white privilege exists, right? But if you're going to pay 2500 bucks, <laughs> pretty sure it does. Whatever. If you're going to pay 2500 bucks, you are privileged. You are insanely privileged. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry. Yeah. That one of the great stories of our time. Uh, all right. Let's figure out as the last thing for this show. Yep. Let's figure out if there is a podcast bump or not. Yep. All right. So, okay. Now, Bolt likes romantic comedies. I do. As we, if you didn't know that, Bolt definitely likes romantic comedies. Uh, and in a romantic comedy. I think what my favorite one would be. <laughs> Yeah, all what you think. Uh, in romantic comedies, often the lead female... I mean, 500 Days of Summer is a bit creepy when you watch it back. Sorry, I'm interrupting. Someone like Renelle's, Renee Zellweger or whatever is like, should I go with this guy? Makes a list of pros and cons. Now, we're going to try to do the same thing with our show. We've always run in this theory... To see if we should still date each other. <laughs> Sorry, I thought I'd follow your train of thought. I wasn't. Yeah. My bad. To decide if uh, people who uh, come on the show have a podcast bump yep. or have a inverse bump. Yes. A fall, whatever. A fall. Yeah. So <laughs> an, inverse, an inverse bump, also known as four. That's an interesting way of talking. Yeah. Anyway. How'd you break your arm? I inverse bumped. Yeah. So uh, you go first. Uh, all right. Sorry. Uh, for bump, uh, I've got Andrew Bogut. Favorite interview we ever did for me. Yeah. Andrew Bogut won a ring after coming on the show. That's a grand final? Uh, yes, a championship ring. Yep. So Andrew Bogut would prove that there is a podcast bump. Yep. Who have you got? Nigel Farage. 
Nigel Farage. God breaks it. Yep. Done. God breaks it. Done. Two nil. Yeah. Who else? You got, I've got another one, but uh, you go yours. Okay. Not Mary Kissel, right? She's very. Oh, she was already pretty at the Wall Street Journal. Yep. But now she's at the State Department, and she's very high up. Mm. She Three. would know things about Kim Jong Un that like no one else does. Mm. Three nil. Uh, I've also got Calum Thwaites and Daisy Cousins, both friends of the show, oh, now engaged. Yeah, I'm counting cute. that as two. That's cute. That's five nil. Yep. All right. So that's five people yep. that have had a podcast bump. Now, the reason we bring this up is because Matt Canavan uh, has stepped down from the ministry. That's right. I forgot to. Yeah. <laughs> that's a key <laughs> part. was a key part. But yeah. Matt Canavan has stepped down from the ministry after the Nationals leadership spill. Yep. And he is also a friend of the show. And we would call losing the ministry, even though I still say that story is still going. Mm. Losing the ministry for the time being at is a four. Yeah, at this point it is. So he would be one. Yep. Yeah, who else would you have up uh, there? Now I've got my... So it's 5-1. Oh, now, yeah. So Matt Canavan, Tom McDonald. I Melbourne also had Tom McDonald. I yeah. go for the Mighty Ds. Uh, had a really great year the year before, 2018. Uh, mm -hmm. 2019, dogged it. Mm -hmm. Got injured. Oh, well, yeah. Dogged it's a bit hard. He did, was battling injuries. He dogged it first, then got injured. Okay. Fair enough. So 5-2. Yep. Anyone else? I've got a good one. Okay. Here's one for you. Joffa Corfi. What's happened to Joffa? Leader of the Collingwood Cheer Squad. Don't tell me something's happened to Joffa. Famous Melbourne identity. We interviewed him. It was, went massive all over the Herald Stop Sun. Stop stalling and tell me what happened to Joffa. Joffa has decided to move to a remote village in Fiji yep. near the town of Labassa. He's given up the Collingwood leadership of the Cheer Squad. Two hours to the nearest town to watch the pies. Says he'll fly back if they make the granny. Didn't he do that to help underprivileged communities with houses? That's sort of part of it, but I don't know if that's... I am going to count it as a bump. You're going to count this up. That is more reward. Like, that's a better thing to do than the being better the Yeah, you're helping people that really need it. That's 6-2 in my books. Okay. All right, so despite McEnvan throwing a, an, a, a what, what is it? A Inverse bump. Uh, no, so but despite Mac Canavan, despite Matt Canavan throwing a spanner into the works, yeah, is the phrase I'm going for is going like wrench or something like that. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a uh, alpha male. <laughs> I don't know about spanners and works and wrenches. Yeah. Uh, but it is 6-2. Okay. Sorry, I think there is still a podcast. Well, I think bump. there's definitely a bump. Like people always like we say bump more than invert. Like the fact we have to invent a word for inverse bump means <laughs> that it's still not, a word for not normally happens. So. All right, sweet. That is got to be aware of it. Does a podcast sometimes. bump? If you come on this show, good things happen to you. Yep. Word out there for people that we're thinking of interviewing. That's our position. All right, that is it for the show this week. Thanks again to Chris Decker and Gideon Rosner. Uh, and remember, Generation Liberty. If you do want to join that community of people who care about free markets, freedom of speech, uh, you know, individual liberty, all these things, they get together, they discuss them, they debate, debate them, and argue them. Uh, IPA.org.au slash join. That's it. Generation Liberty membership and check us out at the O Weeks. And also go to the, the Generation Liberty website. Generation Liberty website, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Generation Liberty, we're everywhere. All right, that is it for the show this week. See you guys next week. Thanks, Josh. Stay up. <laughs> <laughs>